In the Garden with Keynes Garden Centre Kilcolgan for the best selection of trees and shrubs in the west of Ireland. See keynesgardencentre.ie and he's left the garden, or maybe more to the point, the garden centre uh, momentarily to uh, have a chat with us. It is the great Tom Stewart from Kane's Garden Centre. Tom, how are you? Very good, Adam. Good morning to you and thanks. Uh, thanks very much for taking the time to be with us for this week's edition of In the Garden. And uh, the wonderful Morning Focus listeners, you know the drill. If you have a gardening question for Tom, do send it to us on 086-1800-964. We'll be giving away two 30 vouchers for Kane's Garden Centre. Uh, but before all of that... Uh, Tom has some valuable information for us. This week's topic is the best place to start, Tom, uh, where you're going to take the listeners through a selection of herbs to sow now indoors that are suitable for growing in containers and also easy to grow. Yes, certainly. Thank you, Alan. So last week we we mentioned some uh, flowers for sowing at this time of the year. So this week I've put together a list of herbs you can sow now from seed indoors on a windowsill. And with some of this cold weather, a lot of us would probably prefer to be indoors for some of it anyway. Uh, So provided you haven't used up all your window space with the flower seeds we spoke about last week, we have a few here um, herbs that you can consider. So I always think homegrown herbs are particularly good for their flavour and most are happy enough growing in containers and that means you can keep them close uh, to the house near the back door or even in the kitchen for easy access and you'll be more likely to use them if they're handy to get to and they're handy to reach so try to grow your herbs in a bright sunny location make sure they have good drainage some herbs are annual and some are perennial the annual herbs the likes of basil and coriander you can sow every two or three weeks for a continual supply and then the perennial herbs they, be, they can be grown in pots or in the ground and harvest when required. One of the most popular and a real customer favourite is basil. And I know lots of people are, are keen on basil. So I've selected a few varieties that are certainly worth considering. You've got the sweet basil. That's the classic and the best known type. Great for pestos and salads. Then there's a lemon basil. Nice distinctive flavour. Great for chicken, fish and salad dishes. And then there's a variety called piccolino basil, which is a very compact, bushy variety. Great for pots and full flavoured. You also then get a Thai basil, so rich kind of somewhat of an aniseed flavour, great in salads and an essential in Thai and Asian dishes. So these varieties can be sown all year round for indoor crops. Sow them about a quarter of an inch deep in small pots of compost. Uh, wash them well and place them in a warm position around 15 to 20 degrees Celsius. And the seedlings usually appear in a week or two from sowing. Uh, grow them in a cooler but not cold conditions later on. You can grow them on once they've germinated. You can bring these plants outside to outside conditions from May, maybe mid to late May, avoiding any frost or else keep them inside in a cool, well-lit area. The leaves are best picked immediately before use and then throw, uh, throw them into your cook dishes at the last minute just to get maximum, maximum flavour out of them. Uh, coriander, that's another one. It's an easy to grow leafy herb, great for curries, chutneys and salads, or even you can use it in, in one of my favourite soups, uh, carrot and car- coriander soup. So it's a variety called Calypso. It's a great variety and an ideal for cut and come again crops. So Calypso is a nice bushy type and slow to bolt. Uh, The seeds can be a little bit slow to germinate. So very gently, slightly crushing the seeds can help speed up the germination. And you can sow seeds every two or three weeks for successional or continuous crop, uh, continuous supply or continuous crops. Sow the seeds again about a quarter of an inch deep, thinly in small pots of compost. Uh, temperature 15 to 20 degrees is perfect and grow them on a light uh, windowsill. Pick the leaves as required. And if you pick a few leaves from each plant, they will grow, they will regrow for three or four cuts. So you get 
get a little bit more out of them that way. You can freeze or dry the, the leaves, but I think they're best used fresh for, for flavour. Dill is another popular herb. The leaves are traditionally used in fish and egg dishes and can be chopped into soups and salads or used in pickles. Nano is a great dwarf variety, uh, great compact plants and is another herb perfect for windowsill growing and in, in patio containers. Sow the seeds in the same way as basil and coriander in small pots of compost in a warm position and then use the leaves fresh for best flavour. Adding the leaves just before cooking is complete. A nice tasty hardy perennial herb, garlic chives, is a great one that can be sown indoors all year round. It has flat leaves and a subtle taste that's great for herb butter. The flowers are also edible and great for salads, stir fries or finely chopped into a cream cheese. You can harvest the leaves once they're about six inches or so and pick a few leaves from each plant so they regrow quickly. Similar to the other herbs, 15 to 20 degrees temperature to start in small pots of compost and seedlings usually appear after two or three weeks and you can grow them on in cooler but not hot, uh, not too cold conditions. Uh, sage and parsley, they're also ideal for sowing now for harvesting all year round and the seeds of cress and alfalfa are great uh, for uh, they're really quick to harvest ready usually within a week or two so they're great for children to grow and adults who like a quick turnaround great for sandwiches and salads and really easy to grow so cress and alfalfa people might be familiar with those um, sometimes the school children will be growing them for all these you can reuse small pots that you already have with some multi-purpose compost and you'll have some lovely fresh herbs with the unbeatable kind of homegrown flavour and all easy to grow and very cost effective and a nice I would consider a rewarding project to take on Okay, lovely stuff. So there you go. Get cracking on growing your herbs now. Uh, Thank you very much for that, Tom. Before we get to the listeners' questions, you have a few jobs for them for the week ahead. Yeah, a few considerations. So there's lots of time to still to plant your bare root trees and your hedging plants, like the beech, laurel, white thorn. They're all perfect to get in the ground now. Perhaps look out for some native varieties, the likes of alder, hazel, gelder rose and blackthorn. You could consider doing a mixed collection of native varieties for a hedge or a shrub border. So look out for those guys in, in the garden centres. Certainly with this cold weather we're experiencing, just keep an eye out for the birds in your garden. Keep your bird feeders filled and top them up with some seed, peanuts, sunflower hearts, niger seeds or the high energy fat balls and maybe even access to to water as well. Uh, If you have any dormant plants that you need to move that are in the wrong place, you could consider moving them now, but just avoid digging any frozen ground. And at this time of year, lots of people would use um, a greenhouse fumigator or smoke bomb to clean out your glasshouse or polytunnel from any unwelcome uh, insect pests that might have overwintered inside the polytunnels um, before you start planting up for the season. So they're they're easy to use and a fumigator will cover anything up from eight to about 100 square metres, depending on what you need to get rid of. Okay, great stuff. That's your homework, folks. Make sure you have it done by next Monday. Tom is a stringent marker. Now it is time for the listeners' questions. It's 86 to text or WhatsApp in any gardening questions you may have. And the honours this week to kickstart things go to Mary Murphy, who's listening to us in Kilmurray and Six Mile Bridge. How are you, Mary? And Mary says, good morning, Tom. I love your gardening show. I have two queries. Our son bought a house and has a few bamboo trees growing at the bottom of a long back garden. He doesn't like them and is concerned about them spreading in to the neighbouring garden. What's your advice regarding when and how he can remove them? And uh, Mary's got two questions, Tom. So what I'll do is put that question to you first and then we'll address the second one. Certainly. Good morning to you, Mary, and thanks very much for your comments there. So yeah, bamboo trees, they can have um, an invasive or a spreading... um, 
nature to them. Not all bamboo varieties, but lots of them do. And sometimes they can create issues. And sometimes it can be with, with neighbours. They Sometimes they'll send out um, low kind of rhizomes or roots along the ground and it'll pop up perhaps in the neighbour's garden. And, you know, you want to keep a nice harmonious relationship with your neighbours. So if, if your son is keen to get rid of them, um, some people would actually physically cut them down and on the exposed cuts, treat that with um, with a weed killer uh, of the with the usual uh, protective equipment, gloves and, and, and goggles and stuff like that, but treat the cut surfaces. It usually takes um, more than one application to get rid of them. So it might be two or three, but probably if he's a bit worried, and and if he's he's afraid that it might be a bit invasive. Probably best to treat them with it with a strong weed killer, um, something that's um, systemic that will travel through the plants. But it, it might take more than one application, usually two or three, with, with some of the invasive types of bamboos. So probably best that he, he gets uh, gets on top of that, and probably he'll find a weed killer will work a bit more effective, kind of from. Uh, from spring onwards, so March, April, once the soil starts to warm up and the plants are a little bit more actively growing, the um, the weed killer spreads through the, the, the bamboo plants that bit uh, more effectively. Okay, brilliant stuff. And Mary is certainly getting banged for her book because she has another question, which I'm going to put to you now. Uh, Mary also says, I have a blueberry bush for eight years and it's only producing about 12 blueberries. I've heard you saying you had other species of blueberry bushes that I could plant beside it. My garden soil is not acidic, though. What's your advice for more blueberries in this bush? Thank you and Happy New Year, says Mary. Yeah, that's another good question, Mary. So you're right about the blueberries and um, their acid soil requirements. So now I suppose you have two options. You could grow some more blueberry um, shrubs in large pots or containers, and that's perfectly fine to do using the ericaceous compost. Some people actually dig quite a large hole in the garden, fill it with the ericaceous compost and plant their blueberry shrubs into that and just um, maybe once or twice a year, top them up with a little bit of ericaceous feed. So just on the yield and the low yield you're getting from them, blueberries will produce fruit by themselves but if you get two or three different varieties they cross pollinate and you get a lot better yield from each plant so certainly worth um having a look out and maybe investing in two or three extra or even four or five extra um plants of different varieties if you go for a mixture um you you might or you might not know your existing variety type if you do well and good bring that name with you to the garden center and and see can you find um, varieties of a different nature um, but you, you could do a mix of if, if you went for any mix of different blueberries it, it'll help with them all and, and a bit of cross pollinate but lovely to grow quite a nice ornamental and decorative shrub with a nice little bell shaped flowers and lovely autumnal colour on the blueberry shrub so I'd say certainly Mary it'd be worth investing in a few more and whether you decide to grow them in containers relatively close they don't have to be right up beside your existing one but relatively close or perhaps uh, planting them in the ground if the existing one is in the ground it seems to be doing somewhat okay despite the, the, the somewhat of a low yield but certainly a few more additional plants Mary and you'll be good to go Okay great stuff Mary uh, I'm sure you really appreciate the, uh, all of the advice on those two questions and best of luck with uh, implementing that advice Next up is uh, Morning Focus listener Assumpta in Kilrush How are you Assumpta? Uh, Tom Assumpta's question is that she's looking for gardening advice on using seaweed as a fertiliser Interesting one Yeah good morning Assumpta and um <coughs> Lots of, um, we say gardening products will have additional seaweed, some fertilizers and a lot of the organic um, fertilizers and treatments will have additional seaweed. And some of our um, best-selling uh, multi-purpose compost will be seaweed enriched or would have seaweed um, added to them. So it really can make um, 
uh, it had a really good benefit and, and people love to use it. So I think in regards of, of using your own, um, my own thoughts would be that it would be kind of well rinsed off of any excess salt and stuff like that. And probably best to to decompose for a few months or even the guts for a year, let it let it break down a little bit. And then you could mix it in with your with your own um, compost or use it as a mulch uh, in, in your garden, but has great benefits without a doubt or something. So it's, it's, it's certainly recommended. And as I said, loads of products are, are using it as additional and and uh, it's a it's a key selling point and a and a key benefit for a lot of the products so i would say if you're using your own <clears throat> by all means as i said rinse it off to get rid of excess salts let it decompose for a while and 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 use it dig it into your garden use it as a mulch and in in all parts ornamental and, and veg and fruit it, it goes down well you can see why and, and some of our own best-selling compost would have the um the additional seaweed and the seaweed enriched would would, would um would be very popular with all our customers Okay, and uh, lastly, Martin Whelan, who's listening in Doolan, who says, Last February, I planted a long carpinous betulous hedge using barefoot plants. It is growing well, but this winter the plant lost 100% of its leaves. So should I replace the plant or should I leave it alone? And Martin is wondering, will it grow back? Good morning, to you, Martin. Yeah, so your Carpinus betulus, sometimes the, the common name is a hornbeam and it's very similar to beech. So um, the leaves can die, but they stay on the plant. So it still maintains kind of uh, shelter and screening and privacy in that regard. So it would be common enough, Martin, that the um, the leaves would would die on the plant um, and and come the spring once the soil fast and warm, warm up again. Um, most likely, your your trees will will come back into life. So I would think that they're not dead, they're still alive, they're just, they're just dormant at the moment. You could just to reassure yourself with your thumbnail, just scratch one or two of the stems kind of low down, just a gentle scratch with the thumbnail to see is there a bit of green behind the bark? And I'm sure that's what you'll find that there is. So really there should be nothing to do. Come the spring, uh, March or April, you can give all your hedging plants, be it the, the carpinus or, or any uh, hedging plants you might have or shrubs, uh, a good handful of slow release fertilizer at the base and uh, that'll help um, put on a bit of extra growth but my thoughts Martin would be that it's just gone dormant and you, fingers crossed you, should ha- you shouldn't have anything to worry about Okay, great stuff. Actually, we've time for one more question, an interesting one here, uh, which I'll put to you, Tom, to finish this week. A listener hasn't included their name, but they say, I am getting large Leland trees removed as they are very high and they're starting to affect the boundary wall. The listener is wondering, wondering, is it sufficient to get the trees cut to ground level or should the stumps be ground down too near the boundary wall to get the roots pulled out? Uh, good morning. Yeah. So, and unfortunately, um, these Leilandi trees and people will be familiar with them, big evergreen trees. And I suppose probably back in the 70s and the 80s, they were really highly recommended and loads of people planted them. But unless they get regular cutting back and regular trimming, uh, they can get out of hand and they're, they're, they grow quite fast and they can get quite big in, in, the, in a relatively short space of time. So lots of people are in a similar circumstance to yourself where people are getting them removed. My own personal thoughts would be that, yes, I you can, um, and whoever's removing the trees for you will probably look at this for you. You can get a, a machine called a stump grinder, which is, it's a mechanical thing and it sits right over the stump of the tree and grinds it right down to ground level. Otherwise, you're kind of left with these kind of stumps above the ground and they can be a little bit awkward, a bit unsightly. So certainly I, I would consider personally anyway, getting them ground right down. Um, now you'll see that the soil in the area will be somewhat it'll look a bit tired and depleted because those Leilandi trees would have kind of hoovered up a lot of the, the moisture and the goodness and the nutrients from the soil. So 
I'd say if you plan to replant something there, I'd certainly look to um, invigorate or improve the soil, dig in plenty of um, well-rotted manure, um, maybe some compost, that kind of stuff to try and add a bit more life back into the soil. Certainly lots of uh, well-rotted manure will help increase a bit of insect activity and, and slowly bring a bit of nutrients back into the into the area. So certainly consider that. But on your question itself, personally, I would look to get the, the stumps ground down altogether. Okay, there you go. And that advice hopefully will help you out. There can be only two winners of each of the 30 of vouchers for Cain's Garden Centre, though. And those winners are Assumpta in Kilrush and Martin Whelan. So congratulations, Assumpta and Martin. No doubt uh, those vouchers will be used uh, very, very soon. Uh, but for the moment, my thanks to you, Tom Stewart. Make sure you're nice to Assumpta and Martin when they call into the Garden Centre. Uh, no doubt you will be. And uh, we'll chat to you next Monday. Thanks, Tom. Talk to you then, Alan. Thank you very much now. Take care.